0: Welcome to Words and Pictures, the show about the narrative arts. I'm your host, S.W. Concer. And today I'm joined by an author, comics artist, and fashion writer. She was the very first African American woman whose nationally syndicated comic strip ran in the mainstream press. And there's a collection of her work that's been published and has been very well received. It's called Where I'm Coming From. Barbara Brandon Croft, welcome to Words and Pictures. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, let's talk about where I'm coming from. Now, this was a strip that ran from 1991 to 2005. And for your first book collection back in the 90s, Ruby D and Ossie Davis wrote the foreword. How about that? How about that? Yeah. And and they said, she's a new age storyteller, a griot in the new tradition, showing and telling us about ourselves as if through a funhouse mirror. Wow.
1: I was so thrilled. I was so thrilled. Yeah, I actually started in 89 for uh, Detroit Free Press. And so I was syndicated from 91 to 2005, but I was doing it from 1989 in a mainstream newspaper. Yeah.
0: Right. And your cast of characters, uh, they sort of came to you right away. I'll, I'll name them. They're Cheryl, Nicole, Jackie, Lydia, Judy, Alicia, Lakeisha, Monica, and Sonia. Yes, and and who inspired these characters?
1: Um, There were so many more. Um, It was the 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 thing is, is that um, once I got started, when I first initially made it, I was making it for a magazine, so I thought it was going to be twelve a year. So I was going to have a different black woman speak in her mind each time. Nobody had names. It was just a different character each time. And then when ultimately, when the um, Detroit picked it up, so that's a weekly, and it's like. Everybody's like, okay, now I want a syndicate. And they were like, you know what? You need to narrow this down, you know, because people can't identify. They're not going to get a chance to know these women. You know, you got to, that all the reasons to do that. So I did my best to whittle it down and I couldn't get it down any further than nine. (laughs) So there they are. Yeah. And, And they are, you know, parts of me, you know, and also my friends and, um, I, I like the fact that I've had a, a cast of characters in this comic strip that weren't caricatures. They're like real women. And when they didn't talk about silly things, which they did, they talked about real stuff, you know. So I was very happy that it worked out like that.
0: Yes, the conversations, I mean, they range from personal issues to politics, To relations race relations but also you know this was early on that you were really tackling issues like mental health yeah
1: yeah jackie is one of the characters that really deals with um, anxiety and um and it's real you know but it's it's real
0: you actually kind of rebooted the comic in 2016 and uh, here's jackie talking about uh, things that are going on and she says Count them. Three of the wealthiest people in the US possess more money than half of the nation's population combined. I guess it's true. Money is the one thing in America you can hoard without being shamed.
1: Yes. Yes, it's true. It's um how how is that even possible? The the um and then the, you know, I did those hashtags, so there's this, the disparities that I'm talking about in between um whites and blacks. You know, this. how could three people have um all that much money and everybody else is under and struggling and stepping on each other and clawing and
0: it's just a mess well the thing that's really refreshing is these are all these are all grown women that you are portraying except for except for, baby. Uh, yeah yeah baby uh baby <laughs> Aretha. Aretha. Oh, yes uh, <laughs> and this is this is important because in the new version of the book where i'm coming from you publish your original 1989 pitch letter for syndicates like you said in 1989 you were in the detroit free press and you wanted to get syndicated and you succeeded uh but you wrote in the 60s and 70s when the black pioneer cartoonists entered syndication their views were expressed through casts of children i refer to strips like maury turner's we pals ted shearer's quincy and luther the feature my father brumsick brandon jr created out of the mouths of babes seemed the most palatable way to introduce Blacks to the funny pages.
1: I think that's true. I think it was an easy way to get representation, so to speak, in the newspapers without upsetting the apple cart. Um, so there, I mean, I guess it can be argued, but it seems to me that that's what was happening. You know, you can, um, even Charles Schultz kind of got pressed to include somebody Black, and he finally got Franklin in the in the mix, and Franklin, bless him, you know. Franklin's a great little character, but he was really just um, so we can show somebody of color amongst the other kids, not necessarily speaking to any black issues or or having him have more of a, um, a personality than um, just that. That was his whole thing, his whole spiel: "I'm black," you know, which is good. And necessary and needed in 1968, but you know, as time marches on, you kind of have to do a little better, you know, do a little more in recognizing all of us. The there's the whole cartoonist, black cartoonist, had a had a life in a in a whole thing happening in the black press, you know, that is all but forgotten and and erased almost, um, and you know, the strips and cartoons that my dad created for the black press, different than Luther, you know, Luther, um, also talked about race issues, but in the very gentle way, you know, it was, he would suggest things, but he wouldn't flat out say, you know, something firmly. So not to get the, um, editors upset, you know, and the, and the readership upset. And that's why if you had we pals, in, in um your paper the paper would not pick up Luther because you couldn't have two black cartoonists you know and and that that uh, maintained I mean it that was still the case when I came around what 30 years later and they would say they don't want to have where I'm coming from in the paper because they already had Curtis but I got it twofold of course because they don't want to have uh, where I'm coming from in the paper because they already had Kathy I'm like I can't win. I cannot win. So, you know, it's just what it was.
0: Yeah. You, uh, you talk in your book about the rejection letters you got. And I was really surprised when, when uh, some of them said, uh, it's too much like Kathy or it's too too much like Pfeiffer. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Pfeiffer, I love Jules
1: Pfeiffer. And it was his way of, of cartooning, his way of, on occasion, he would have the the character speak directly to the reader. So, you know, I kind of feel like I stole that. I was like, I love that. You know, it's like I, I would have wanted to have my characters speaking directly to the reader. I'd like them to look in this woman's eyes, look and see what's going on in her head, let her talk and have her um, have her say, so to speak. So if it was like Pfeiffer, that's a real compliment <laughs> to me, you know, <laughs>
0: Well, you know, you have come in for some criticism. Many people think that comic strips need to have lots of poses and expressions and background art to be interesting. I, I know that your dad's strip, Luther, was big on that kind of action. Yes. But, yeah, you said you have a very intentional reason for just having talking heads yes. and sometimes talking hands and and yes. arms.
1: Yes, yes. It's it's funny. I mean, and I know it. You know, it's... um. I know that it looks weird. It's not your typical way of looking at a cartoon. It is it is just talking heads. And and I don't include environments. And I don't include bodies. I use hands because that, that kind of um, accentuates feelings or whatever uh, the character is trying to say. I didn't want to include bodies because I'm tired. I was like, I'm tired of us being thought of as a body part, you know, and I'm tired of I I wanted to talk about what's going on in our heads. So I wanted to keep it as heads. So I did get some pushback, you know, like, no, you got to put it in environments. No, you have to, you have to do a daily. You have to, you know, maybe some of those things are right. And maybe I would have been in hundreds of papers instead of dozens of papers um, if I had done those things. But it didn't feel right for me. I liked having, you know, that you don't know, you don't know what they are socioeconomic background is unless they talk about it unless they're going to tell you how they feel about what's going on in their place in the in the world and that was that was intentional
0: and of course when you're dealing with with hot button issues with politics with bodily autonomy with institutional racism the the injection of humor really helps open up the conversation
1: yeah, I hope so. I mean, if you can't find a little levity in in things, it's gonna be a really hard life. <laughs> but there is some levity in all of it. And it does open up people's minds and hopefully hearts when they um, see something and, and say, oh, well, that made me laugh. You know, even the people who are upset with me, even the people who would, you know, write these um, what I call not-so-fan letters. And of course, in my day, that's what they were, letters. You know, you had to write a letter. It wasn't like you're going to go on your phone and say, ah, oh, Barbara stinks, you know, whatever they might say. I'm being kind. They're not kind on the internet. But um, back in the day, you had to write a letter. I got my fair share of not so fan letters, as I call them. But even those made me feel good to a certain degree because I'm like, oh, I pressed your button. I got your nerve. You know, I stepped on your toes somehow. And ultimately it's really that you're holding up a mirror and it's like, did you see yourself? Is that why you got so angry? You know? Um, Cause typically that's the, that's what it was.
0: I did want to ask you about still mm-hmm. racism in America, a retrospective in comics. Uh, this is an exhibit that started out at the medallia gallery in New York city, uh, went to the Billy Ireland cartoon library and the museum in Ohio. And then to uh the UC Davis Design Museum in California and yes. uh it includes your dad's early comics and your later comics you give many thanks to the curator Tara yes. Nakashima Donahue
1: Yes yes big ups to Tara yeah she's she's great um for me the the still exhibit that's at UC Davis it's a, um at my dad's work and my work because it's hard to talk about um my work without talking about my dad's, you know, that's, I would not have been a cartoonist had it not been, if I had not seen it done in front of me, in my eyes, (laughs) but it's, it's focused on racism. And so it is heavy. You know what I mean? It's, it it is what it is, you know. It's it's talking about race and I mean where I'm coming from is talking about everything. But when we tried to put that, you know, exhibit together, we just focused on racism. And so it's um gotten people, you know, moved. It's moved people, which I think is great. You know, I was asked, what do you want people to come away with from the show? And I'm like, I want them to cry. No, <laughs> I don't really want them to cry, but I want them to see and recognize what experience has been for black folks in America. And my dad's work starts in this exhibit, starts in the 60s.
0: And and there's a lot of history there. I mean, your folks took you to the Great March on Washington when you were a toddler back in 1963. And your dad, Brumsick, he was not only a comic strip artist. Uh, he did uh, editorial cartoons, political cartoons. He had been an animator for Bray Studios, which originally employed the Fleischer brothers, and he created characters for a children's television show called Time for Joya. The host yes. was uh, Joya Cheryl. She was the first African American woman to host a kids' TV program in New York City.
1: Yes, and and Joya is 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 um was on the jazz scene. I mean, she wrote the lyrics to A Train. She's she sung with um, Duke Ellington, you know, and the professor on the show they called him the Professor was Luther Henderson, who did. Um, was the musical director on a number of Broadway shows? I mean, these were heavy hitting characters on this children's show. Um, wow. It was local, the New York New York show. But um, yeah, that, and so my dad was a part of that. He was Mr. Beebe. He was a character on that.
0: Now, when you were about twelve, your dad administered an art test to you and your siblings, and you ended up becoming his uh, his assistant in a way.
1: Yes. That was back in the day with um, Zipatone, which is, um, for people who don't know, it's, it, it is a, a shading film that you adhere to the actual drawing and have to cut it out. It's very tedious. And it's one of the final stages when Dad was doing it. Dad did a daily strip. So he had two weeks of Luther every other week that he had to do. And when he got to that point, you know, he was like, he tested, my my sister didn't get involved, but my, he tested me and my brother and my brother's drawing was ridiculous. My brother kind of followed in my mom's footsteps. My mom's an educator. He's an educator, you know, that's, that's, and I uh, followed my dad's footsteps, but that's how I earn money um, every other week. And um, it was worth it to me, you know, and I was in training, who knew? I didn't know I would be, I was in training. I just did it to get the money, and and guess what? Here I am, you know, on pages around the country. You know, I'm like I'm a professional artist as a you know high schooler. It's it's just kind of and one time my dad got my dad had uh, issues with his back. He had to have back surgery, so there were two weeks where I did the um, lettering. So that was kind of huge too.
0: Oh yeah, you're you're lettering, and you can see this in the where I'm coming from strips. You always hand letter your comics and uh, your lettering is one of a kind. You don't believe in just adding typefaces to your artwork. No, no.
1: It's, it's really, it's, it's handwritten always. Yeah. Thank you though. I like that. I always like to write.
0: Especially when you have a comic where the conversations are so important, like in where I'm coming from, you know, you've just got, your lettering has got to have some character to it.
1: Yeah. And even uh, Keith Knight, he uses his lettering, if you ever see his work. You know, it's like his lettering can change uh, and it seems to have um, a certain energy. You know, when he's saying something really impactful, it gets kind of big and scary. Uh, He uses lettering as a character, I guess, too. Yeah.
0: You're listening to Words and Pictures. I'm your host, S.W. And today we're talking with author and comics artist Barbara Brandon Croft. Her syndicated comic strip, now collected in book form, is called Where I'm Coming From. Uh, before we get back to the conversation, I'd like to take a moment to remind our listeners that KBOO is in the midst of our All Thrills, No Frills membership drive. We hope that you've been enjoying our programming, and that you'll take a moment to pledge your support. There are all kinds of ways to join KBOO. On the web, you can visit kboo.fm give. You can also text KBOO to 44321. And if you prefer to go analog, we're always happy to receive a contribution in the mail. The address of the station is 20 Southeast 8th Avenue in Portland, 97214. Again, the webpage is kboo.fm slash give. On your mobile device, you can text KBOO to 44321. And of course, you can reach us by mail at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue in Portland, 97214. And now let's talk some more with our guest, Barbara Brandon Croft. There's another thing that uh, you helped your dad with, and I think your siblings might have been involved in this. You got recruited by your dad to help assemble a board game.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think we all did that one. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad had this game in 1967. He created this game called Colored. And Colored is um it's spelled C-U-L-L-U-D, but it's really colored, you know. So when they called, you know, black folks went through being called Negroes to being called colored to being African American black, you know. I'm I'm from the um say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud generation. So that's that's where I land. But um colored was a game that he put together, a board game but he bought the boxes so you had to assemble the boxes that that the board game came in and then there were it came with uh four boards so people could play and then you had to put in the pieces and the instructions the pieces the instructions and um the die so yeah that's we did that in the house the whole family helped put that together and the title of the game on the top of the box but yeah that so 1967 good gravy i was I don't know, eight or nine, something like that. So yeah, but I was the youngest. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Linda was involved in that, and my brother as well. So the, the game, I just I want to talk about the game just for a second, and that is that you play, you 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 advance by rolling the die, but inevitably, you know, you would take two steps forward and three steps back, and it was just like it was a game that you couldn't win, and was the experience of being colored in America. So
0: yeah, that was cool and it was a bit of a response a bit of a clap back on monopoly in a way <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah yeah i mean it's it's similar in 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 setup and um and look even
0: yeah <laughs> that's true well you know luther the comic strip that that you helped your dad on it had some hard hitting dialogue sometimes there's there's one strip where there's a white character white child and uh, he tells uh, Pee Wee, another smaller character, he tells Pee Wee and Luther that his father says, this country is rich enough to have both guns and butter. And the last beat of the panel is Pee Wee asking, what's butter, Luther?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, he was talking about what what um, was right in our faces, you know, um, and, and it was through the subtlety of little kids talking, you know, so... Um, so my dad's characters Peewee was the youngest and always hungry and always um, wanting for a little more than, than he was getting. And Luther was kind of like the philosophical one. Um, but the two there were two white characters that kind of served as the foils. It was Lily and her brother, and the brother never got a name. Yeah, yeah.
0: You mentioned uh, that uh, there were some really brilliant comics artists in the early twentieth century whose work only ran in black newspapers. And I, I think that in this digital age, some of these folks are getting rediscovered. One of those artists is Jackie Orms, who yes. created the strips Torchy Brown and Patty Joe and Ginger.
1: Yes, exactly. And so whenever somebody says, you know, I'm, I'm doing an interview or whatever, and somebody says, eh, she's the first black woman in the newspaper. I am like, I'm not, I'm not. Um, Jackie Orms was the first black woman to be even syndicated. I mean, I would say syndicated, I don't know if it, or distributed in different papers, because she was in the um, Chicago Defender and the Pittsburgh uh, Courier and, you know, d- several other black publications. So um, she beat me by 60 years, you know, and deserves her props. And also they, that she's getting them now. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, Jackie Orms, I think one of the things that uh, might have influenced you, I mean, her work was so beautiful and her characters were so fashionable. And, yes. you know, you went into the fashion industry, the writing about fashion, editing, uh, and that was kind of your bread and butter for a number of years.
1: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's true. I, I kind of like and fancy the fact that, um, that we've taken a, a similar path. You know Jackie Orms and myself. I did not discover Jackie Orms until I think it was 1987, and I read something about her, and I was like, wow. So I didn't um, consciously, you know, but there's so many um, connections, you know. Like, she was a reporter, I was a fashion reporter, she was a sports reporter, you know. She worked in, in papers, she did comic strips, she made dolls, you know, she did all kinds of things, and she stopped when her arthritis got so bad and oh and behold don't I have arthritis I'm like you mm. know following every little aspect of her life I'm not but um, um it's managed it's you know a new day but it is it makes me feel good I know I'm standing on her shoulders I just didn't know her until 1987 and I had already created where I'm coming from in 1982 and it didn't get published till Nineteen eighty
0: nine, yeah, yeah. The original run of uh, where I'm coming from, that uh, you had the girls, as you say, <laughs> all, all say goodbye in two thousand five, and then it was twenty sixteen when uh, when you you brought them back, and I, I think you know people can hazard a guess about what prompted <laughs> that.
1: I mean, I could not believe who um, became president in 2016 i'm like what is happening in this world it just seems so far-fetched and um and now it's now it's very scary again but that was the first time that i felt i had to do some cartooning again and i didn't care that i was not getting paid i did not care about anything other than getting it out of me so that's how that's when i started um i had to talk about um well, you know, that first one is, it's that's brief enough to say, but it, it's Lakeisha, who's one of the most um, militant, I guess you'd call, but she, she was saying, looks like America put white supremacy on the ballot. Guess what happened? And then the hashtag is Obama backlash. So that was the first one I did in, in reintroducing my, yeah, I know I, I shouldn't say girls, but you know, I call my girls, my girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, gosh, the book is out. The exhibit has been touring. You've been touring. What's next for you?
1: Well, um, I don't know. And this was the big thing, you know. So, so you know, when I was talking about being uh, working in a magazine, that folded, you know. So that folded um, during the pandemic. Um, and what's so crazy about that is, you know, you know, we were all in lockdown, so we were we were putting out the magazine um, all at home. And then you know they're like, okay, we're gonna bring you back to the office. I was like, I don't want to go back to the office. This is me complaining. And then the magazine folded. I was like, wait a minute, I would have come back if, if you would have stayed open. No, um, it was perfect. I, I said all that to say that um I do this cartooning because it's in my heart, it's in, it's in, it's in my soul, you know. I have I feel like I have to get it out. I don't get paid doing that, you know. Um I was so appreciative of uh, drawing quarterly when they were like, "You know what? We need to do a book of your of your work." I was like, "Really?" I said, "I was like, you make such beautiful books. How are you going to make a beautiful book of my work?" They're like, "Are you kidding? We could do it." They did it. I love my book. They did an excellent job. But um, I was, you know, a little worried. What am I going to do? What am I going to do next? And I I said out loud to the universe, "I was like, let me just open myself up to." something i can't imagine you know let me just figure out a way and this is my 30 year old self talking to this you know 65 year old self saying just you never worried before just open yourself up and something will come and then i get a an email from the state department i'm like what you know the general consulate in um nigeria in lagos wants to invite you to uh, do some workshops so i can't even see beyond that just yet but um I will do whatever comes up because, um, that's the way I roll. (laughs) That's kind of the way I do. So, yeah.
0: Well, you've been listening to words and pictures. I'm your host SW Conser, And my guest today has been Barbara Brandon Croft. She's an author, comics artist, and fashion writer. And she's the very first African-American woman whose nationally syndicated comic strip ran in the mainstream press. There's a book out that collects her work, and it's called Where I'm Coming From. Barbara, it's been an absolute joy to talk with you today. It's been great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And for those listeners who might be interested in finding out more about your work, uh, where's a good place to look? Oh, you can go to my website, which is my name,
1: com. No hyphen, just all running together, com.
0: And what is your Instagram handle? My Instagram
1: handle is also my name. It's at Barbara Brandon-Croft. no hyphen, just run all together, and you can find me. And I have a little blue check that lets you know that it's really me.
0: Well, we hope that everybody has been enjoying our special programming for KBOO's All Thrills, No Frills membership drive. Before we go, I'd like to remind all of our listeners that this community radio station needs your support. To become a member of KBOO or to arrange for a donation of any size, please visit kboo.com. You can also text KBOO to 44321. Or if you prefer, you can mail a contribution to the station at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue in Portland, 97214. Again, the webpage is KBOO.FM give. On your mobile device, you can text KBOO to 44321. And of course, you can reach us by mail. At 20 Southeast 8th Avenue in Portland, 97214. Thanks to all our listeners on the radio dial and on the web. You can find an archived version of the show later today at kboo.fm/slash words and pictures. And be sure to follow us on social media at wordsandpicture.